Good morning. How are you today? This is the first Sunday of January 2021, and I'm so glad that you've joined us today. As you know, last year, the last two weeks and two Sundays of December, we closed the church down uh, due to COVID. Yes, your pastor caught COVID. He was in the hospital. I'll share a little bit with that about that here in just a little bit. Ken caught it, not as bad as I did. My whole family came down with it. And well, you probably heard the rest. But it is so good to be back. Uh, just almost there, not quite 100%. The church will still be closed for a time, a duration. We're not too sure how long that's going to be as of yet, but we're working on that. I'm working with the leadership and we're talking about what to do next. But so far, right now, what we've been trying to do is get as many messages out. Last couple of Sundays, you saw some uh, re reruns, I guess you would say. Uh, top of the line, I don't know, but uh, and, and I'm glad that you tuned in. And so today marks the first Sunday, and I'm going to try to get a message out every Sunday from this point forward. While I was recovering, my brother Ken sent me a verse that was so appropriate, and I just want to expound on that verse today. He sent me Psalms 103, 1 through 5. In that Psalm 103, David is expressing to himself to bless the Lord, O oh, my soul. What David is doing is sharing with us on how it is that we can bless the Lord. You ever thought about that? How do you bless God? Well, it's amazing if you understand what that means. And it's, it's a very good psalm because it follows Psalms 102, of course, because it's 103. But it follows 102 where David is basically calling out to the Lord to rescue him, to help him. Let me take you there very quickly. Just the first couple of verses. In 102, it says, Do not hide your face from me. Hear my prayer, O Lord. Let my cry come to you. Do not hide your face from me in the day of my distress. Incline your ear to me. Answer me speedily in the day when I call. I want you to know, beloved, that is, that is a prayer that I did not recognize at first to be in the Psalms, but I think many of you have probably prayed that prayer as well. And so out of that prayer, out of that Psalm, David jumps into 103 as the response of why it is and how it is that we should bless the Lord. So if you don't have your Bibles with you, open up, grab your Bible, open up your Bible to Psalm 103, and uh, there should be an outline that's attached to this video. And if you want to download it, you can. And uh, just follow along with me as best you can. But um, before, I, before I start in Psalm 103, I'd like to lead us in a word of prayer. Father in heaven, thank you once again for your goodness, your grace, and all your benefits, Lord. We never stop to think of the benefits that you've given us. I thank you how David systematically lined them all out for us. I pray that today, as we go through this psalm, at least the first part, that you show us, talk to us, deliver us, be with us, help us, strengthen us, and reinforce us, rebuild and help us to move forward, Lord. I pray, God, that you continue to love us and lead us and continue to shower your blessings and your grace upon us. 
I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Psalm 103, verses 1 through 5. David says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Beautiful psalm. The rest of it just continues to give thanks and praise. And this psalm is more of a praise and a thanksgiving than anything else. And it's one of those psalms that David uses to express his thanks and his just his, his adoration and his praise. And usually when you're calling for a praise of God, the, the, the audience is usually the congregation or the group of people. But here, David is saying, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. This is a self-identified reality that it is I that needs to praise God, not just the congregation. I'm not directing this at you. I'm asking you to join me as I praise God for his many benefits, his many blessings. And so, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. How do you bless God? How do you bless his holy name? How is it that us, a finite human being, can bless an infinite being, our God? He has all the blessings to give to us. But we are instructed here to bless his holy name. Well, the way that you can bless, that a way that I can bless God, number one, is we bless God by expressing gratitude just expressing gratitude. 2020 was one year that it, it just took like forever to get here. And guess what? We got another one. And this gratitude comes from an attitude of gratitude, thankful for what God has given you, how he's blessed you, how he's protected you. This gratitude, when you come to him in gratitude, when you come to him in thanksgiving, it just expresses this this. Uh, overwhelming love and adoration when you thank God for everything. People have asked me, and says, you know, pastor, I don't know what to pray for. I don't know how to pray. I says, well, just start thanking God. Thank him for the air. Thank him for your life. Thank him for your home. Thank him for your car. Thank him for your provisions. Thank him for shelter, for warmth, for food. Thank him for your family, your friends. And, and you know, you cannot outthank God. One person that told me that he, uh, started to pray that, he says to me, you know, I just kept going and going and going. Exactly. You got to live a life of attitude. You bless God when you are grateful and you bless God when he recognizes your heart, your attitude of gratitude. It blesses him so much to know that you have received and you recognize that he is good. That's all he wants. He wants your life. You also bless God <clears throat> by showing our respect, our respect to God. You know, I know people that call him the man upstairs, the big guy. I know people that say, you know, well, me and God are so tight. That's not respect. He's not your buddy. He's not your, uh, you know, your homeboy, your homie, your bro. God is an infinite being, and we are not. We should tremble at his presence. We should be in awe of all that he does 
We should respect his holy name. We should give him the honor that is due him in everything that we do. We shouldn't be flippant about his name. Oh my God. Or, gee, you know, just the way we express our excitement or our disappointment. We have to honor and revere that name of God. We know that the one of the Ten Commandments is do not misuse the name of the Lord our God. And it was more than just cussing. God, yeah, I don't want you to be cussing his name. But it's revering his name, respecting his name, that his name means something to you. He's not just the guy upstairs. He's not the guy that you come talk to and ask. He's not a genie. He, he does not owe us anything. You cannot demand blessings from him. You cannot demand grace from him. Grace is unmerited favor, meaning that we don't deserve it. And if we think we deserve it, then it's not grace. What we do deserve is God's judgment. So we thank God and we bless him and we show our respect for him for not giving us that which we deserve, but giving us what we don't deserve. We bless God also by praising him in full worship. David said, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, everything in my heart. Bless him with all that I have. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength, with everything. David was so grateful for what happened. David was so excited about what God did for him when he called out and cried out to him. Beloved, I know that you have been there many times before. And this is why we have to go back and repeat and look at and see. Because the very next thing that we, we see is, well, before we do that, in Romans chapter 12, verse 1, it says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as living sacrifices. Your body, my body, our body needs to be a living sacrifice constantly, not just on Sundays, not just right now, every single day, every single second, every single moment of our life, a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual act of worship. That is our spiritual act of worship. So the next verse, verse 2, the benefits of God. David says, bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Why does he say forget not? Why does he say, don't forget, bless his name, bless him all the time, and don't forget it. Over and over again in the Old Testament, God would say, remember, remember how I saved you from Egypt. Remember how I rescued you. Remember how the angel of death passed over. Remember, remember, remember. Jesus even said to us, this is my blood. This is the new covenant. Do this in remembrance of me. This is my body, this bread. And the, do this in remembrance of me. Remember, remember, remember. Why? Because we forget. We forget, especially when we're right in the middle of the thick of things. We forget all his benefits. We forget how he saved us. We forget how he's rescued us before. But yeah, that was yesterday. But what about today? That was, that was a long time ago. But what about right now? What about this? Beloved, he is still there. And so David says, forget not all his benefits. What are his benefits? Well, I'm glad you asked because David lists them for us. 
He says, bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Number one, God forgives my iniquities. God forgive my sins. He forgave you. If you've come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, he's forgiven all your iniquities, all your sins. He's forgiven everything that offended him, and he no longer is offended by your sin. Yes, I am still a wretched, vile sinner, but I am saved by grace, grace that I didn't deserve, and God gave that to me. He gave it to me, and because of that, I've got to remember that I've been saved. Saved from what? Saved from the wrath of God. Saved from eternal damnation. Saved from being separated from God for all eternity. Saved to spend eternity with my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Beloved, we have to get back to that gospel message. We have to get to that point where we remember what we were saved from. Many people are living life in such fear. Many people are living life in such sin. And many people are doing things that they know is contrary to God's word. And then they wonder why they're not getting blessed. Many people are, uh, are afraid of this COVID. Many people are afraid of, the, of what the government tells us. Many people are, are just are, are afraid of dying. You know, while I was in the hospital, I placed my life in God's hands. And I said, okay, Lord, if this is where I got to be, this is where I got to be. And, you know, God took me through this multi-period that I'll explain to you here in just a little bit. And I just placed my life in his hands. And if this is where I got to go, then this is where I got to go. And if this is the day that I have to leave, then, Lord, you're going to provide everything else for us. And, beloved, I wasn't afraid. I, I didn't like it. It hurt. It was a, a terrible time. But I knew that God still had it in control. And so we have to remember not to forget his benefits. He forgave my sin. He forgave all your iniquities. In 1 John chapter 1, verse 9, it says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. There's got to be confession. There's got to be confession when you are regenerated, when God brings you to life and you recognize the gospel message of Jesus Christ. What he does is he gives you life brings you from death to life, raises you up from the dead and places you into the life that he gives you. He is the resurrection of life. And when you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive them all. And when God gives you life, the very first thing that we need to do is repent. Repent from what God has taken us away from. Repent from those things that we were living Repent from the things that we thought and the things that we did and live a life of holiness. Living a life of holiness is not an easy thing. And this next year, we're going to endeavor to live this life of holiness to prepare the bride of Jesus Christ for his coming. Because, beloved, he's coming. He's on his way. Number two, <clears throat> what are some of God's benefits? God heals my diseases. I can attest to that. God heals my diseases. You know, while I was in the hospital, there were a lot of people that were in there. I got there right before they got all packed up. It took me 10 hours to get into the, the emergency and then into the hospital. 
But people after people, friends after friends, have all died. I know a lot of people that have died because of COVID. And I wasn't afraid. I know a lot of people have been. But you know, even though we've had that many people that have passed away, if you add the numbers, it is still, in California, less than 1% of those that have COVID. I don't remember the exact number right now, but it's but uh, of the exact total of the number, but the percentage that I figured out, if you look at all the people that have contracted COVID and those that have died, is 0 0.178. 0 0.178. Less than 1%. And so we have this massive hysteria. People die of COVID. People die of tuberculosis. People die of cancer. Beloved, it, it, this is a, a really hard flu. I know. I've seen it firsthand. But it's just the flu. And, and I, I refuse to live in fear. And unfortunately for me and my family, we caught it and we had to go through it. Now, I'm not saying that you do the same thing as I do. Everybody has to do it differently. But beloved, don't be afraid of death. Death is the next step into eternity. Don't be afraid of anything that they tell you. What we need to do is fear the one that can take life. Fear the one that, can, that gives life and has the power to take it. And he heals my diseases. And he does. Who heals all your diseases, verse 3b. And, and so what, what the diseases and, and what Jesus Christ came to do, when he came onto this earth, he went throughout all Galilee teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease, every affliction among the people. The gospel of Jesus Christ is coupled with healing. And not only physical healing, but also mental and psychological healing. A lot of what we experience in life, sometimes the sicknesses that we have are compounded by our own attitude, by our own negativity, by our own fear, by our own distrust in God. A lot of what we go through, the, the sicknesses, the ailments, the depression, the guilt, the shame, a lot of it is done on our own behalf because we don't trust God. We need to trust God. You need to trust Him in everything. You need to trust that if this is where He's going to take your life, you need to trust that He knows what He's doing. And beloved, that is a very difficult thing to do. I know, but I understand it. God heals my diseases, physical, spiritual, mental, my anguish, my guilt. He heals all my diseases. As a matter of fact, one of the things that uh, James tells us in James chapter 5, verse 16, Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has a great power as it is working. You want forgiveness? You pray to God and ask Him to forgive you. 1 John 1, 9. You want healing? You confess your sins to one another. One of the things that I've noticed is that there is this sin of pride, this sin of not willing or wanting to express what you've done to somebody else because well, what are they going to think of me? You know, what are they going to say? You know what we're going to say? Welcome to the club. We're all vile, wretched sinners, all of us. And James says, when you confess your sins to one another, and not just anybody, you find somebody that you can trust, somebody that you can look up to, somebody that is willing to guide you and help you 
through the word, through scripture, and you confess your sin to them. You know, you've done this before. You've let out some very ugly, nasty things, and you know how better, how much more good you felt because of letting somebody know. It's like taking a weight off your shoulders. It's scary. It is. And it's risky because you don't know what they're going to do. This is why you have to find a mature believer that understands that when you confess your sins to one another, you will be healed. God heals our diseases. Another benefit that we should never forget. Number three, God redeems my life from destruction. Verse four says, who redeems your life from the pit. Redeems your life from the pit, the miry pit. He set my feet on a solid rock. Jesus, the lover of my soul. Jesus, I will never let you go. You've rescued me from the miry pit and set my feet upon the rock that I know. And when I was in that miry pit, I couldn't get out. There was nothing that I can actually do. You've been in mud, some of you. You've been stuck or your legs just can't get out. And that is exactly what sin does. It bogs you down. And Jesus reached down to the bottom of the ocean and brought me out and set my feet upon the rock. And he redeems us. The, the word redeem, Jesus Christ hadn't died yet. The crucifixion hasn't happened. But in the Old Testament, when God rescued and brought the people out of Egypt, the angel of death was going to pass over all of Egypt and take the firstborn of everything and everyone born. And he told the Israelites, get a one-year-old lamb, signifying the purity of the lamb. With no marks, pure, and you sacrifice it, you take its blood, and you sprinkle it over the doorpost of your house. So when the angel of destruction comes, he will pass over your house. A beautiful picture of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ redeemed you. He has redeemed you. If you have been forgiven, if you have committed your life to Jesus Christ, if He has entered into your life and you've been born again, He has redeemed you. Nothing else matters. Oh, what can this world do to me? What more can they do? They can't because you have been redeemed. You've been bought with the price, not with silver and gold, but with the precious blood of the Lamb. He redeems you from the pit. In John chapter 11, Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live, and everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? I'm asking you that question too. Do you believe this? He redeems me. He redeems my life from destruction. A fourth benefit. David just lined them all out. This is really cool. A fourth benefit, God crowns me with love and mercy. Who crowns you with steadfast love. Steadfast, not just this willy-nilly type of love, this conditional type of love, not just this love that comes and goes. It's a steadfast love, consistent, consistent with who God is. Everlasting love. He crowns you. The word crown is that He's giving you this honor, this dignity, this life that only He can give. Only God can give you that steadfast love. And He crowns you with it. 
He desires more than anything else for you to be crowned in this love. He doesn't want you to forget that, that he loves you. And anything that you're going through, anything that you've been experiencing, you have to know that it's Father filtered. God filters everything. He never places more on you than he's already placed in you. When Job was being tested, Satan had to ask permission. When Peter was going to be tested, Satan asked permission from Jesus, I'm going to sift him. And only he can only go so far. Anytime you go through a trial, a tribulation, if you have been redeemed, God will filter that just for you. You see, God gives us all these blessings. And he asks us not to forget these benefits. And so he redeems my life from destruction. Number four, he crowns me with love and mercy so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. In the future, he wants, and even now, he wants to show us his immeasurable riches of his grace. Once again, that word grace, unmerited favor. We don't deserve it. He gives it to us. Thank God he doesn't give us what we deserve, which is judgment. But he gives us grace, which we don't deserve. We, and we have to be always be ever thankful for what God gives us in his grace. You know, one of the things about grace that um, I should have mentioned from the beginning, that God does bless the whole world. There are a lot of people that receive God's blessing. There is this common grace that everyone receives, the common grace of, well, food, of air, of shelter, common grace of, of things that we really don't deserve, but God gives them to us anyways, the sun, the weather, and all these common graces that he saves us from, gives them to all the people to show who he is. But there is a saving grace, a special grace that he gives to those who are his. And these are the graces that, that heals our diseases and delivers us from destruction and crowns us with love and mercy. And the last thing that David says, point number five, God renews my life. God renews my life. Who satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. You know, when Ken sent this first to me, I said, man, Ken, you don't know how much that verse means to me. I don't know if you remember, and this has been some time now, but I've, I have this message about the eagle. If you go into my office, you'll see that there are eagles that I've been collecting. I collect eagles. The eagle is a magnificent bird. God uses the eagle in a lot of his messages and, and how he, he is like the mother eagle that brings the people together. And the eagle is a majestic bird designed by God in such a way that when it is attacked by just the raven and the crow, what it does is it doesn't fight back, but what he does is he, he has this special set of lenses within his eyes that go over like sunglasses, these little Ray-Bans, and he flies directly to the sun. And he can fly directly to the sun because he's the only one that has these lenses in his eyes. Think about that picture, flying to the sun, who is Jesus Christ. While the enemy is pursuing him, the enemy falls away because he can't see. 
The eagle, the wingspans are seven to nine feet long, wide, and, and they glide more than they, they actually fly. They teach their young how to fly by literally kicking them out of the nest. While the, while the father eagle is, is around circling, making sure that the predators are away, the mother eagle is flying over the baby eagle saying, fly! You can hear this eagle screaming, ah, ah, fly, fly. And right before it hits the bottom, this poor little eagle is swooped up on the back of the mom's back and taken back up to the top of the pinion. Let's do it again, and let's do it again, and let's do it again until they finally get it right. Eagles can live somewhere from 70 to 80 years. And what eagles do is somewhere about midpoint, they go through this molting period. And many eagles don't make it. What these eagles do is they go through this process in their life where they, they don't fly. They all go to this valley. They go to this place where they start to molt. Their feathers start to fall off. Their claws start to get all dried up. And they're hard and they're split. And, and the calcified nails on them, their beaks start to build up this calcium that they can't seem to breathe out of their beaks. And the only way to breathe is to be able to breathe out of their mouths. Their mouths get dry. Since they're, so, they're going through this molting period, they can't, they can't eat. And the only way that these eagles eat is when other eagles bring them fresh meat. And eagles from all over come around, those that have already experienced this midlife crisis in an eagle, as they're going through this molting period, they fly over the top of these eagles and they drop fresh meat. Eagles won't eat uh, like vultures do. They don't eat poisoned meat or rotted meat. It has to be fresh. And the eagle has to make that choice, that decision. Am I going to eat this or not? Am I going to let this go or am I just going to die here? And the eagle that survives are those that are dependent upon those that bring them food. Beloved, that was you. Your prayers, your concern, your well wishes, the phone calls, the texts that I received, I thank you for that. In the hospital, I was in there five days. And I said, Lord, I don't know why I'm here, but I'm here. Whatever it is that you need me to do, I will do. Do you realize that while I was there, I talked to a lot of people, and I come to find out that the church isn't ready. We're not ready for what's coming next. Now, please, I'm not trying to belittle your belief or your thought about this COVID. I, 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 know, it's, I know it's powerful. I know what it can do. But it's just the flu. It's a flu. A bad one. And it nearly took me out. What are we going to do when the actual persecution comes? What are we going to do when they say to you, no, the hospitals are full, but if you take the mark, we can probably get you in there. What are we going to do when there literally is no food? There is no uh, place to rest. What are we going to do, beloved? The church is not ready. We need to get ready. And I thank you for those prayers. I thank you for just the, the, the well wishes and being able to help those that have gathered around my family. I thank you for helping them as well. And 
in that molting period that the eagle is going through, he has to make a decision whether he's going to live and whether he's going to die. And it's unfortunate that over half of them don't make it. They just give up. And as the eagle starts to gather his strength and he starts to eat and he starts going through this period that lasts two, three weeks, he finally starts getting his new feathers and he starts to shake it all off and he starts to start to fly and his feet are still all cracked up and he's trying to get himself back up and he finally gets his wings going in the direction that they need to go and he starts to glide and he gets up to the rock, the pinnacle, the height, the top of that granite rock that he clings onto the rock, which is God Almighty. And he clings onto that rock and he bashes his beak against the rock, knocking off all that calcification and taking all that guck and, and stuff off of his life. And, and he becomes the eagle that he is to be, who satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagle. Beloved, some of you are going through a molting period, either emotionally, physically. Some of you are going through a, a, a molting period and you've been through there. Don't get stuck there. Reach out. We don't know unless you tell us. Reach out. Let us know. I want to close with this verse. Isaiah chapter 40, verses 30 through 31. My favorite verse. Even youths shall faint and be weary. Even young men shall fall exhausted. But those who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not be faint. Wait upon the Lord. We're going to do everything we can this next year to get the church ready. When I say the church is not ready, I don't mean just North Park. I mean in general. We are so self-absorbed. Some of you have learned how to live a life of dedication, of commitment. Some of you have learned how to put yourself aside and think about others and worship God. And you know exactly what I'm talking about. You have learned how to wait upon the Lord in every circumstance, in every situation. But far and large, for the most part, many people, are still living these self-absorbed, what about me, what about I, what about you know, my life, my, my sickness, my health, my, you know, what, how come God's doing this to me, why did this happen? And we live these lives that are so self-centered, seeking pleasure. Jesus Christ said, if anyone who come after me, he must deny himself, pick up his cross daily, and follow me. Self-denial is the hardest part of following Jesus Christ. I want to help you. I want to be there for you. As we go together, we grow together in 2021. Thank you for listening. Pray with me. Father in heaven, thank you once again for giving us this opportunity to, to gather together through your word, through the social media. Father, I know that you desire that we gather, and we will. As soon as everybody's back on track, 100%, we're going to come back together. I thank you, Lord, for how your people have come together around their pastor and everyone else that has been sick and has been fighting this COVID, 
And we pray, Lord, that you just continue to bless and help us not to live in fear, but to understand that you are still in control. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquities and who heals all my diseases and who redeems my life from the pit, who crowns me with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies me with good so that my youth is renewed like the eagles. Thank you, Father, for this amazing lesson. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Let me conclude with Numbers chapter 6 as we have been in the last few months. If you didn't get a chance to see the video that we sent on Numbers chapter 6, I implore you to go back to our North Park account and, uh, and, and watch the video. And it gives you a little bit of background of what God had told Aaron and his sons on how to bless the people and pray this prayer. But he said, The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. May God bless you, and we'll see you next time. Goodbye.